everyone, it's Jeff from MCS Mag, and in episode four of our six-part series on military stories with a survival twist, we're going to be talking about shoot or don't shoot. The difference between going home, going to prison, or going to the morgue. Check this out. bullets were flying, your adrenaline surging, would you hit your target? If the world as you know it crumbled tomorrow, collapsed into chaos, you know how to survive? If you and those you loved were cornered by a gang, violently attacked, could you protect them? Could you protect them? Could you protect them? Tactical firearms training, urban survival, close quarters combat. This, this is another podcast to help you better prepare for any threat you may face in your role as a protector and a patriot. This is Modern Combat and Survival. Hey there, hey there. Welcome everyone. This is Jeff Anderson, editor for Modern Combat and Survival Magazine and executive director of the New World Patriot Alliance with another podcast to help you better prepare for any threat that you may face in your role as a protector and a patriot. And to help you do that, the last three weeks, we've been talking about military stories from my days in the Army that have a survival lesson in there. They've been lessons for me, and they hopefully are going to be lessons for you as well. So if you missed any of those stories, please go back and check them out. And this is the fourth episode that we're going to be going through. And in this episode, I'm going to be talking about that shoot or don't shoot, or it could be strike or don't strike decision that you may have to make if you're ever in a, in a scenario where you have an aggressor that is potentially going to attack you, or you don't even know if you have an aggressor that's about ready to attack you. So with this story, it goes back to, once again, back to my days with the 10th Mountain Division, which was a bulk of my time in the infantry. I was in light infantry in 10th Mountain Division. And this goes to one of our training exercises that we did. We flew out for and we did a, a whole series of urban warfare training in, in, within a mock city. And we take turns with different types of missions and different types of assignments from attack missions to defense missions and things like that. But there was a very, very pivotal mission that took place where my platoon was in a defensive posture. So we had taken one of the buildings within this city. And I was on about the third floor of the building. There was no glass window or anything there, but we were expected to get attacked sometime in the next couple of days, which gave us time to go ahead and build up a reinforced sandbag barrier around us, things that would help us to withstand any sort of an attack. Now, again, keep in mind, this is a training exercise that we're talking about here. So we did not use real bullets. We used Miles Gear, which is a laser system. It's basically like laser tag, only you're able to use an M16 at that time and, and that. And you have a, a buzzer that goes off if you get shot by somebody else's laser, essentially. So you use blanks in the gun. It shoots out a laser. And if it, if you shoot a person, then their buzzer goes off in their ear. It's very loud. It doesn't stop until the controller comes by and uses a special key to turn it off. So we were set up in the third third floor here in each one of the rooms around the entire perimeter of this building each member of my each two man team within my platoon had a position looking outside and we also did harden up the inside of the building as well so that we knew that if the enemy if you will the training enemy got inside of the building that there were ways that we could keep them from getting to us as well. We loaded up different obstacles within the stairwells and things to make it really hard for them, along with different booby traps and things like that. Well, the next morning at dawn, 
the attack started. And that's usually when we attack is usually at dawn because we can we can conceal our movement at night when it's dark outside. And the dawn, the dawn and dusk hours are the hardest time for you to see things, even more than the nighttime, actually, believe it or not. So when there's that haze of, of dusk or haze of dawn, well, those are really important times that we used to use to attack. Well, the attack came at dawn. And so, of course, we're shooting as best we can outside of the window to be able to take off as many of the enemy as we possibly can. But inevitably, they did end up getting into our building. Okay. So we could hear rounds going off down in, down through the elevator shaft and down the stairs and, and down at the lower levels of the building that I was in. So what do we do? Do we change our attack to go back to the interior and stop people from coming up? Or do we still stay at the window and start, keep trying to pick people off outside? Well, we tried to keep picking people outside, but you want outside, but you want to keep listening to how close are they getting to our floor, right? So we kept fighting, we kept fighting, we kept fighting, and I could hear the, scrout, the, the shouts and the screams, and I could hear them coming closer and closer to the third floor. Eventually, I started hearing them on our floor. So obviously, the battle had reached us. Well, my partner and I decided that we were going to turn our attention, one, to the outside, and I was going to turn my attention to the inside. So I went to the doorway of the room where I heard out. out which led out to the hallway, which led to the other rooms where other members of my platoon were fighting. Now, again, this was still during the dawn hour. So it was really hazy. There was light coming in, but it wasn't like full-blown sunlight. So the people that I saw out in the hallway, I couldn't tell were they, they were just kind of hunkered down in the hallway. So they were occasionally looking over a railing. They were outside of the room next to mine. And I, and I, I couldn't tell who they actually were. It was that dark. It was that hard to see. But it's like, should are, are they the enemy? Should I shoot them? If if I can shoot them, I've got like 10 guys lined up here that I can take out. But if it's my own guys, then I'm going to shoot them. And I just shot my own guys. And they're going to be pissed off at me. And of course, I'm going to get ridiculed, right? So that whole process is going through my brain. Shoot or don't shoot. Shoot or don't shoot. So I could be the hero or I could be the villain and ostracized, probably even if it were a true combat mission, potentially even kicked out of the military for firing on my own troops. Well, that back and forth kept going on in my head as I'm looking at them, trying to figure out if they're enemy or not. Until one person that was in those, those 10 people that were out in the hallway turned around and saw me. And as he saw me, he took his rifle and just on full auto, just swung it around shot and my miles gear went off essentially he had shot me in the head and i was dead so when i looked out there when i was going to go dead i i sat down well which is what you're supposed to do and i realized that the people out in the hallway were the enemy and i just remember sitting there thinking what if this were a real mission what i mean i, I would have that same decision making process right so did I make the right move or did I not? Well, I learned a very important lesson there. Actually, I learned a lot of important lessons from this. And over time, it has kind of gelled with me as I think back on it. And I've seen it play out in different types of decision-making scenarios that I, that I come across or that other people come across or even how I plan my own survival, whether it is 
with my hands or with a firearm or anything that I need to be able to defend myself. And that's what I'll share with you right now are those lessons that I took away, three lessons that I have for you here. So number one is you have to take all the precautions that you can with whatever your defense plan is, okay? So I can tell you that in actual combat that I was in, um, learning from that lesson, I never exposed myself where there was a decision-making decision making scenario that put me in a do-or-die scenario. So, for example, um, there were times in combat where the people that I was looking at, I couldn't tell if they were enemy or if they were civilians. But what I did was I gave myself enough cover and concealment where I have time where I'm either not noticed or I have good enough cover that if somebody does shoot at me, then I have enough react, reaction response time, enough, enough heart hardening to be able to make that decision the right decision, whether to pull the trigger or not pull the trigger. Now, if you don't have all of that, well, we're going to talk about that here in just a minute. But that was one precaution that I always made sure that I had proper cover and concealment. Okay. But for you, it might also be a situation like what precautions can you take to give you that response time to make the right decision? So if you are in a concealed carry situation, you know, are you scanning? Are you aware of your surroundings enough so that you aren't surprised by somebody when you are pumping gas at your car and all of a sudden you look up and there's a, there's a person there just three feet away from you? Are you scanning? Are you making sure that you have your, your, I'm sorry, are you, are you making sure that you have your firearm in a way that you can get to it quickly so that if you do make the decision that you have to draw, that you can actually get to it? And are you trained to be able to get to it well? Do you know the right draw stroke? Are you practicing your draw stroke? Those are very important things. If it's a home defense scenario, do you have a safe room built up? So that if you're in your house, you're not trying to figure things out like who is that person in my living room? You get the family together, you have a home defense plan, and you get to your safe room, and you know you have a barrier there that you can make that decision. If somebody is, if you have your entire family in, let's say it's the, the master bathroom that you are, are set up in, and you have your master bedroom door closed, and you have your whole family with you, you know whoever comes through that door is a bad guy, and you're able to shoot. But you've already done all the precautions to be able to make sure that that decision that you have to make isn't a waffling back and forth. And that's really, really critical. Okay. The same thing can come when you're looking at a fist fight or defending yourself with your hands. If it's a situation where, let's say it's road rage or in the parking lot, you backed into somebody and this guy looks like he's, he's about ready to kill you. Do you, have you taken the proper precautions of knowing when a fight is actually a fight? Like when is it, when is it, taken out of the verbal, the verbal self-defense and going, it has to go into physical self-defense. And do you have the skills in place to be able to stop it from going from a verbal fight to a physical fight? Okay. So what precautions have you taken to be able to recognize a threat so that you don't have, so you have as much response time and decision-making as possible? And then also, do you have the skills to back it up? Are you training with those skills? To be able to, that when you decide it's go time, that you have the skills to be able to make that decision fast and act on it fast. Okay? Question, or, or point number two here is when in doubt, strike. 
So assuming that you have taken proper precautions. So let's go back to my training scenario. I did not take the proper precautions, right? I could have had maybe better communication with my team that was on the floor. We could have all had better communication to know when we had actually been, um, when it had, they had infiltrated our floor. We could have had a response plan for that. All doors get closed. Anybody in the hallway is the enemy. Some things like that. Anybody comes through your door, they're the enemy. We could have had a better plan in place for that. But given the situation that I was in, what I took from it at that time was I would have been better off even shooting my own soldiers at that point than, than getting shot myself, right? Like the situation, the decision that I made was not to shoot and I died. I didn't go home to my wife and kids. And that was what I kept thinking. Like, you know what? I'm not going home to my wife and kids. That's exactly what went through my mind. Like, if I'd shot, yes, it might have been my own guys. But in this situation, the alternative was I got shot. So it's arguable that there could have been a better response. Maybe I could have closed the door. Maybe I could have done it that way. But I, I, already, I already knew that they would just lob in a grenade and I would have been dead one way or the other. But nonetheless... That was the decision that I made, but I remember then thinking, you know what, it's better it's better to shoot and hope for the best than to not shoot if it's a if it's a scenario that I'm in and now I'm dead. So the more common way of thinking about this is the would you rather be judged by twelve or carried by six? So in the firearms world, the the, the personal and home defense world that same concept comes up a lot, right? Like it's better, you know what, just go, if you're unsure, shoot. If you're unsure of whether you are legally justified to shoot, your better option is to shoot and better to have to go to court and explain your actions than be dead. In other words, better to be judged by 12 jurors than carried by six pallbearers. Okay, so so it's the same exact scenario and there's some truth to that. Now, you've also heard me talk about the opposite side of that, which is it's not as cut and dry as just pull the trigger and hope for the best in, in court or just you know place all of your trust in court because a lot of things can go wrong in court. But nonetheless, what I always talk about is when in doubt, strike. If you've taken all the proper precautions, which again, my training scenario, we didn't take all the proper precautions. But given that you have taken the proper precautions, and you're in a scenario where you're waffling back and forth, your best option is to strike, whether that's to pull the trigger or whether that's for you to attack the person in the parking lot that is up in your face. In other words, if you tried everything, if you were skilled in being able to talk somebody down and you're saying, look, man, I don't want to fight. We can work this out. I've got insurance. We'll take get this taken care of. And he says he's going to kick your ass. Then you say, I don't want to fight you. And he says, too late. It's too late for that. Boom, you strike. Don't wait for the strike to come at you because all it might take is one punch and now you're lying on the pavement and you've got, got some guy stomping on your coconut with his size 12 combat boots, all right? So when in doubt, strike as long as you've taken all of those proper precautions and you have confidence in your decision, okay? And the last one is kind of that kind of goes along with that and why you may have heard me in the past say it's not as cut and dry as just... Just pull the trigger is because you have to really know your legal responsibilities when it comes to anything that comes with your own defense and the protection of your family or others. Okay, so this goes back to 
taking all the precautions that you can. And when you're in doubt and understanding what those different scenarios are out there, I can tell you that all of the quote unquote expert firearms guys, I mean, out there, the guys that, you know, just the machismo ego, ego guys over at the gun range, or I can tell you that when speaking with people and putting them in shoot, don't shoot scenarios, I would say probably about 90% of the time they don't get the scenarios right. They don't understand their legal responsibility that they have for being able to defend themselves or even draw the weapon, even without pulling the trigger. You have legal responsibilities. So it's, it's easy to say better to be judged by 12 than carried by six, except that the average court cost is about $40,000 to defend yourself. And even that's when you're innocent. That's without you even being guilty. So there's all sorts of reasons why you want to avoid the courtroom at all costs. Not to mention, you don't want to have to kill somebody that you didn't have to kill to begin with. So you could end up going to prison for your for your actions if you don't understand your legal responsibilities. Now, this is such a widespread epidemic, if you will, of not knowing what these are, even with expert firearms guys out there. That's why we made our Bulletproof Defense DVD free for firearms owners, because we want people to understand not only what your legal responsibilities are, but even on the other side, certain certain things that are out there that are that are thought of as tried and true within the firearms industry as when you can legally shoot somebody. For example, that 21 foot rule, we show video footage where people even being 60 feet away can can shoot some, or I'm sorry, can stab somebody can close that distance and before you can even get your weapon out. So that actually, you know, we, we tell people this DVD, because of the reasonable man doctrine, and we explain what that is in the DVD, the DVD itself can be used as evidence in a court trial. So if you have to defend yourself, you can actually submit the DVD in your own defense to be able to show what you knew prior to the, to the point where you had to defend yourself. And that helps to prove and dispel some of the myths that the prosecuting attorney might be using against you. It helps to prove some of those as being incorrect, which puts things in your favor. But then it also um, can show what you knew prior to the shooting or when it, whatever action you took that put you there in jail. Okay, So you can get a free copy of the DVD over at BulletproofDefenseDVD.com. Again, that's free for everybody. You just pick up the cost of shipping for it. But we want every firearms owner, every person should have this, whether you have to you have to defend yourself with your hands, whatever it might be. But the other part of the DVD is that it does give you those precautions. It helps to, to fine-tune your knowledge about when you can actually defend yourself and when you can't. And that's critical. That's critical because you don't want to make the wrong decision on either side of that, whether you don't pull the trigger and you should have or whether you did pull the trigger and you shouldn't have. Okay? Okay. Well, that's episode four of our six-part series of military survival or military stories with a survival twist. So stay tuned for episode five coming up next week. This is Jeff Anderson saying prepare train, and survive. This has been Modern Combat and Survival. Survival. We hope you've enjoyed the show. You can help us out by rating our podcast on iTunes and leaving a comment. 
You can check us out on Facebook at facebook.com backslash Modern Combat and Survival. And don't forget to claim your free subscription to Modern Combat and Survival magazine at www.moderncombatandsurvival.com. Lock and load. And we'll see you next time. This has been Modern Combat and Survival.